0: Alright, we are back. Political theory and um other stuff. We're on Twitter at Polytheory Pod. Our email is and um at gmail.com. And if you're feeling generous, the Patreon is Patreon backslash polytheory and um other stuff. Paul and I are here today doing the book called An Introduction to the Three Volumes of Karl Marx's Capital by Michael Heinrich. We're on Chapter 1, Capitalism and Marxism, Section 1.1, What is Capitalism? Paul, do you want to start her off here for us?
1: I would love to. All right. Uh, So let's get it started really concise intro for me on myself. Uh, Contemporary societies are traversed by a variety of relations of domination and oppression that are expressed in various forms. We find asymmetrical gender relations, racist discrimination, enormous differences of property ownership with corresponding differences in social influence, anti-Semitic stereotypes, and discrimination against certain types of sexual orientation. There has been much debate concerning the connection between these relations of domination, and particularly concerning the questions as to whether one of them is more fundamental than the others. If relations of domination and exploitation rooted in the economy are placed in the foreground in the following account, then it is not because they are only relevant relations of. Domi- it is not because they are the only relevant relations of domination. However, one cannot simultaneously address all such relations of domination. Marx's critique of political economy is primarily concerned with economic structures of capitalist society, and for that reason, they are placed at the center of the presence of the work. Uh, That's just a really important part, like, to remember what Marx is writing about, which is capitalist societies. But one should not succumb to the illusion that with an analysis of the fundamentals of the capitalist mode of production in italics, that everything decisive has already been said about capitalist societies. The question of whether we live in a class society seems to be a matter of controversy, especially in Germany. The mere use of the term class is frowned upon. Man, do I wish this was something I had, like, known about or picked up on when I lived in Germany. But while he's writing about this, I'm sure it's true. I did not notice. But it would have been fun to, like, well, not fun. Fun for my age when I lived there to be a little shit and be like, oh, what class are you in? Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas England's arced reactionary former prime minister Margaret Thatcher had no problem referring to the working class. Even social democrats in Germany have problems uttering the word. Over here, there are only arbeitnehmer or employees, Unternehmer, or entrepreneurs, Beamte, or civil servants, and above all else, the Mittelschiff, literally middle level, avoiding any use of the term class or middle class. At the same time, talk of classes is in no way itself a no way in and of itself particularly critical. That's not only the case for conceptions of social justice that aspire to an equilibrium between classes, but also for some allegedly leftist conceptions of bourgeois politics as a sort of conspiracy of the ruling class against the rest of society. Mm -hmm. The existence of a ruling class opposed to a ruled and exploited class might be a surprise for a conservative social studies teacher who only knows citizens. Nice. But this fact alone doesn't say very much. All societies that are known to us are class societies. Exploitation only means in the first instance that the dominated class not only produces its own subsistence, subsistence, but also that of the ruling class. These classes have manifested themselves in different ways throughout history. Slaves existed opposite slave owners in ancient Greece. Serfs existed opposite landlords in the Middle Ages, and in capitalism, the bourgeoisie, the propertied class, exists opposite the proletariat, wage-dependent laborers. What is decisive is how how class domination and exploitation function in a particular society. And in this, capitalism distinguishes itself fundamentally from pre-capitalist societies in two respects. Um, what I think uh, is important from there is to understand that, that distinction of the exploited class and the non-exploited class. And just to remind people that it's exploitation in any form is not good. Uh, I often hear the argument, well, at least you're not a slave. At least you're not a serf. At least you don't live uh, in Soviet Russia, things of that nature. And it's like, well, yeah, but the common theme of all these societies is that one class or one group of people uh, finds it appropriate uh, that their livelihoods are based on the exploitation of others. And Marx is pointing that out and the function of that in capitalist societies. So you don't need to bring other societies into this to
0: discuss what's wrong with capitalism. Very true. All right. In pre-capitalist societies, exploitation rested upon a relationship of personal domination and dependency. The slave was the property of his owner. The serf was bound to his respective lord. The lord had direct authority over his servant. On the basis of this authority, the lord appropriated a portion of the product that the servant produced. Under capitalist relations, wage laborers enter into a contract with a capitalist. Wage laborers are formally free in uh, italics, parentheses, there is no external force that compels them to sign a contract and contracts once signed can be annulled later, in parentheses, and are formally equal to capitalists. There are actual advantages to the ownership of a large estate, but there are no inherent legal privileges such as exist in a society characterized by the existence of a nobility. A personal relationship of force does not exist, at least not as a rule in the developed capitalist societies. Therefore, for many theorists of society, bourgeois society, with its free and equal citizens, appear to be the opposite of the feudal society of the Middle Ages, with its caste privileges and personal relations of dependency." And many economists contest the notion that something like exploitation even exists in, a, in capitalism and, at least in Germany, prefer to speak of the market economy. Thus, it is alleged that various factors of production – labor, capital, and land – act together and re- receive a corresponding share of income – wage, profit – ground rent. The question of how domination and exploitation in capitalism are realized precisely by means of the formal freedom and equality between, uh, quote, partners in exchange will be discussed later on. Yeah, I think
1: that's, you know, very important. Although, uh, you know, I I think it's pretty easy. While nothing's formal, uh, it's good to remember that there are all kinds uh, of Features of American capitalism that maybe aren't in Germany and stuff where it has, uh, you know, healthcare is almost a contract you need to have to live uh, and it is inaccessible uh, generally in America without attachments to employers and things of that nature. So um, while there is no formal, it is important. And, it, you know, that's what's discussed later. It is important to remember that um, <laughs> there are necessities uh, required by society, the society that you live in, uh, which, you know, you didn't sign a contract, but you were kind of born into um that you cannot access uh without um proper the right kind of job which means like i guess i'm applying like you know piecemeal work things of that nature can provide you with money but unless you're attached to a company you generally won't have
0: health care you generally won't have uh you know life insurance things of those natures uh, that jobs usually provide and and if you do have those things it's not a function of capitalism it's a function of government yeah exactly good call Uh, Section 2. In pre-capitalist societies, the exploitation of the dominated class served primarily the consumption of the ruling class. Its members led a luxurious life, used appropriated wealth for their own edification or for that of the public, theater performances in ancient Greece, games in ancient Rome, or to wage war. Production directly served the fulfillment of wants, the fulfillment of the forcibility-restricted needs of the dominated class and the extensive luxury and war needs of the ruling class. Only in exceptional cases was the wealth expropriated by the ruling class used to enlarge the basis of exploitation, such as when consumption was set aside to produce more slaves to produce a greater amount of wealth. But under capitalist relations, production for the sake of increasing the capacity to produce is typically the case. The gains of a capitalist enterprise do not serve in the first instance to make a comfortable life for the capitalist possible, but are rather invested anew in order to generate more gains in the future. Not the satisfaction of wants, but the valorization of capital is the immediate goal of production. The fulfillment of wants and therefore of comfortable life for the capitalist is merely a byproduct of this process, but not its goal. If the gains are large enough, then a small portion is sufficient to finance the luxurious existence of the capitalist, and the greater portion can be used for the accumulation enlargement of capital. And uh, what I think is pretty
1: crazy about that part is – that they view
0: that uh,
1: greater portion for the accumulation of capital is so often used as an excuse for billionaires like, oh, well, Jeff Bezos only has like five real dollars. Everything else is invested in his company or, you know, like uh, it's viewed as such untouchable money or money that um, they don't even have to like be considered in their wealth, uh, which I just think is so ridiculous. Um, that they get that excuse constantly, uh, and it is because of that concept. Like, oh well, that money is generating more money, so it doesn't really count. Kind of, I'm probably not wording that correctly, but it's that concept that, that drives me insane pretty often. Like, oh well, Bezos can't pay, but more because his money's um, stuck in Amazon. That's not real money. That's capital money. And it's like, well, it's real money that you refuse to use um,
0: for human needs. That doesn't make it not real money. Uh, yeah, and he's still able to like. Take loans out uh, against that money too, right? Which is which is frustrating, you know. Yeah, but anyhow. So uh, the fact that earnings do not primarily serve the consumption of the capitalist, but rather the uh, the continuous valorization of capital—that is, the restless movement of more and more accumulation—might sound absurd. But the issue at hand is not an individual act. Of insanity. Individual capitalists are forced into this movement of restlessness, profiteering constant accumulation, expansion of production, the introduction of new technology, etc., by competition with other capitalists. If accumulation is not carried on, if the apparatus of production is not constantly modernized, then one's own enterprise is faced with the threat of being steamrolled by competitors who produce more cheaply or who manufacture better products. A capitalist who attempts to withdraw from this process of constant accumulation and innovation is threatened with bankruptcy i'd uh, sorry to interrupt and this is i uh, probably talked this is um, i
1: talk about this a lot but this is just to me kind of more of that proof of why capitalism uh is not a great catalyst for innovation or progress and it's just like you've brought this up i'm not sure if it was in a podcast or just a talk but that with the vaccines that one company has technology they won't share with another company even though it would obviously um, provide a a much greater good if all the vaccines could be stored at the same temperature or whatever but they won't and they can't because that Mm. would bastardize their profits Um, so Mm -hmm. innovation this something that would help us move past this pandemic in a quicker fashion uh, literally just can't be done by those companies because they exist in a capitalist society uh, and it is intrinsically unfair to be like, hey, for this one thing, we want you to
0: sacrifice 50% of your future profits or whatever. I'm just making those numbers up, but... And furthermore, they have a legal fiduciary responsibility yeah, to their to board their members, shareholders to not yep. do that, you know, yep. exactly. So just another example of
1: why I personally do not think capitalism fosters innovation or progress, but instead
0: hampers both of those things, uh, yep. at least at this stage uh, in, in its life cycle. Yeah. Um he is therefore forced to participate whether or not he wants to in capitalism. excessive profit seeking is not a moral failure on the part of individu- individuals but rather a necessity for surviving as a capitalist, as will be shown more clearly in the future chapter or following chapters in the following chapters. capitalism rests upon a systemic relationship of domination that produces constraints to which both workers and capitalists are subordinated. For that reason, a critique that takes aim at the excessive, in quotes, excessive profit-seeking of individual capitalists, but not at the capitalist system as a whole, is too narrow. By capital, we understand provisionally, we'll get more precise later, a particular sum of value the goal of which is to be valorized, which is to say, generate a surplus. Sorry, quick interruption. We've just said valorized a lot, uh, and I know we've gone over it in previous episodes.
1: But just a quick reminder for everybody listening, uh, it, you know, valorization is just the the accumulation of or to grow your capital, if you will.
0: Um This surplus can be obtained in various ways. In the case of interest-bearing capital, money is lent at interest. The uh, interest thus constitutes the surplus. In the case of merchant capital, products are purchased cheaply in one place and sold dearly in another place or at another point in time. The difference between the purchase price and the sale price minus the relevant transaction costs constitutes the surplus. In the case of industrial capital, the production process itself is organized along capitalist lines. Capital is advanced for the purchase of means of production, machines, raw materials, and for the employment of forces of labor so that the process of production comes about under the direction of a capitalist or his agents. The products produced are then sold. If the revenue is higher than the costs used for the means of production and wages, then the originally advanced capital has not only reproduced itself, but has also yielded a surplus.
1: Capital, in the sense outlined above, primarily has interest-bearing and merchant capital, not so- not so much as industrial capital, has existed in practically all societies in which exchange and money existed. But it played mainly a subordinate role, whereas production for need was dominant. I repeat that, production for need was dominant. One can first speak of capitalism when trade, and above all, production is conducted in a predominantly capitalist manner, that is, profit-oriented rather than needs-oriented. Capitalism in this sense is primarily a modern European phenomenon. Uh, That's all very important Um, and uh, good stuff to keep in mind when people constantly try to tell you that capitalism is a natural phenomenon that's always existed. Uh, The roots of modern capitalist development in Europe extend back to the high Middle Ages. Initially, foreign trade was organized on capitalist basis, with the medieval crusades, wars of plunder playing an important role in the expansion of trade. Gradually, merchants who had initially bought pre-existing products to sell in a different locale started to take control of production. They contracted out the production of certain products, advanced the costs for the raw materials, and dictated the price at which they purchased the final product. The development of European culture and European capital experience experienced a decisive upturn in the 16th and 17th centuries. What is often described in school books as an age of discovery was summarized by Marx in the following manner. Um, this next paragraph will be a quote from Capital. The discovery of gold and silver in America, the extirpation, enslavement, and entombment in mines of the indigenous population of that continent, the beginnings of the conquest and plunder of India, and the conversion of Africa into a preserve for the commercial hunting of black skins are all things which characterize the dawn of the era of capitalist production. The treasures captured outside Europe by undisguised looting, enslavement, and murder flowed back to the mother country and were turned into capital there. Yep. Uh, end of that quote, Uh, within Europe, capitalist production took hold of further areas, manufactories and factories emerged, and industrial capitalists employing constantly growing labor forces inside of increasingly large production facilities established themselves alongside the merchant capitalists. This industrial capitalism developed initially in England in the late 18th and early 19th centuries, with France, Germany, and the United States following in the 19th century. In the 20th century, there occurred a thorough capitalization of almost the entire world, but there were also attempts by a few countries, such as Russia and China, to extract themselves from this development by building a socialist system. Um, The only thing I want to bring into that, and this is probably just me being stupid, um, but, uh, you know, uh, if everybody gets to claim that capitalism is natural, uh, then I think how early... Uh, You brought this up in another conversation, but with like Anabaptists and things of that nature. Um, then I would say that the human desire for a more social uh, or egalitarian society is also natural because that desire springs up almost immediately uh, alongside capitalism. So if one is natural, then I firmly believe the other is natural if you get to call one or the other. Um, With the collapse of the Soviet Union's and China's orientation towards a capitalist market economy, capitalism at the beginning of the 21st century knows no boundaries, at least not of the geographical sort. Although no part of the world is without capitalist influence, not all parts of the world are thoroughly capitalized, as a glance at large parts of Africa will show. But this isn't because capital would encounter resistance, but because the conditions of valorization are of varying favorability. And capital always seeks out the best possibilities for profit and leaves the less profitable ones alone for
0: the time being. That's so important. And so what you'll see as... A country is able to strengthen its infrastructure and its stability. As soon as like warlords are pacified and infrastructure like an electrical grid and roads are put in by a government, at that point you will see um, the capitalization of that society or, or country. Exactly. Especially if the other areas they'd been using for the
1: industrial endeavors uh, have reached a point where they are now demanding higher wages or better standards of living. Um, you know, like China's a great example. Everybody moved production to China in the 80s and 90s. Um, but uh, with the growth of their economy, um, their employees are starting to ask for better wages and better lifestyles. And so now uh, I think we will see uh, a pretty quick Uh, industrialization of of Africa um, and other parts of the global south because
0: they can pay them lower wages. So next time we will be at 1.2, the emergence of the workers movement by uh, Heinrich, Michael Heinrich. And uh, thus far, he's done a great job. Um, stating things clearly, concisely, and thoughtfully, in my opinion. And I'm excited to uh, continue on.
1: Yeah, it it, uh, really gets, um, this is just an amazing book. And uh, one of the reasons we chose it is, uh, you know, it really helped us understand something that we've been struggling with for years, still struggling with, but have a a little bit better foundation of um, Marx's um, capital. Yep, totally. Well, um, once again, thanks for learning with us and have a great day.